0: The number one financial destination, Yahoo Finance.com.
1: What's good, Internet? It is January sixteenth, twenty seventeen. It is a day off for us for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We are are recording this a little bit early, recording this on, on Friday the thirteenth. Spooky, <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh,
1: ahead of time, uh, so that we can take the day off and, and relax and reflect uh, in this oh, a historic week. Mm.
3: A week mm-hmm. Oh, which... it's it's it is in the history books. Like it is technically <laughs> historic by definition
1: true. And we, you know what we're going to go in is what we kind of decided. You know, this is this has been the the world. So, I know <laughs> that we have listeners coming from all over the world. I'm I'm not here to to diminish anybody or to uh say that like our political perspective is more important or anything like that. In fact, what I'm trying to say is like we live here, which means that we we give a fuck about this for very selfish reasons. We live in America. And at the end of this week, the, the next president, the president-elect, Donald Trump, will take office. Unless something uh, absurd happens yeah. between the time of this recording and,
2: and, 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 and the you time know, in the past
3: week, lots absurd. of absurd things have yeah. happened, so, you it's know, been don't, don't a count a it out. Yep. It's true.
2: Who <laughs> more knows? More absurd than um, the regular absurdity.
3: And all of that absurdity
1: has, I think, pushed us to be in a place where what we wanted to do was take some time out of our normal schedule to, like think a lot about politics and about games in relation to politics and about the world and you and us and every, and everyone around us. And and so we, we kind of set out and said, Hey, send us some questions about politics and games. And we had some great questions. So we're going to spend the next like 40 minutes, 35 minutes answering those was kind of a question bucket episode, a politics bucket episode, yeah. uh, and do our best to provide some good answers. And I'll keep the questions that, that, haven't you know that maybe we don't get to for maybe a future politics bucket episode. Maybe it'll be a, a recurring bit, depending on how this goes. As always, <laughs> joining me, Patrick klepik Hello, Danielle
3: Riendo. Hi. How's it going? Can we go back to talking about <laughs> Mario Odyssey. Yeah. New <laughs> Dark City. Is, I is wish Mario gonna, gonna robots in no. Mario Odyssey? Is that the politics of our time? I, I wish.
1: I wish it was. <sighs> I wish that's what we were doing, and instead. We are, we are doing a different thing. <laughs> I think we just jump in. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. just jump right into this bucket. Jump go. The bucket. and go. We'll, and we'll try to. Sometimes you can find solace in working through things with other people. So I need a number because I got, we got a lot of questions. I think we got like 30, 31 questions. Uh,
3: shoot. 30, I was going to say we could have gone with the number four. of the, uh, the, the new president, but I guess we don't have that many. We're have we don't have 45, huh? Yeah. We don't have
1: 45. We have 34 questions. Okay. So give me a number from 1 to 34.
3: I'm looking at the number 13 on my desk.
2: Yep. It is
1: the 13th. Mm-hmm. It is Friday the
3: 13th. Oh, I did not even... Okay, great synergy.
1: You know
2: what? That was perfect.
1: It was. So this comes in from a concerned citizen who just Good. says,
2: Good.
1: "Highway point. Hello. Why is it bad to have an agenda? <laughs> Semi-sincerely, a concerned citizen. <laughs> uh, that's like a fun joke question, yeah. but it's also kind of a real question in that like... Yeah. I think a thing that comes up a lot is there is uh, an accusatory tone whenever anybody says like you wrote that with an agenda yep or like oh you can't believe what that person says they have an agenda um i think that's a topic worth digging into a little bit
2: yes because i don't really know what they
3: there's there's a lot they're saying when they use the word agenda as a pejorative because i think what they're actually saying is your value system does not line up with my value system, right. and your agenda my, is not mine. Y- yeah, yeah. You're basically saying our agendas are not in line for w- whatever reason. You know, this often comes up when we're talking about the injection uh, or discussion of social issues, um, mm-hmm. um, in into into video games. Is at least that was my first encounter with <laughs> people throwing around the term uh, agenda. Um, although I'm sure uh, that that has come up before. It's it's been most prominent in the last couple of years or last five years. It's actually been it's been a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a difference in value systems and is often used as a pejorative just because you disagree. And that's your way of saying that someone was malicious when they were just different.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. it's something that comes up uh, so much. There was always sort of, uh, especially in the early 2000s when I was just sort of becoming politically aware and I was also sort of coming out, there was always the gay agenda. That was always something mm-hmm. that uh, everybody sort of talked about, that conservatives sort of talked about. And a lot of queer folks sort of we're like, yes, this is our gay agenda. God damn it! You know, having equal rights, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm seeing a lot of that come back. You know, things that Ben Carson has said recently um, yeah. about uh, having extra rights. That that's the new, having extra rights is the new gay it's agenda. The new having an agenda, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the new yeah. sort of version of it, which is you know ridiculous and. And hurtful and harmful, because it, it kind of uh, assumes that, oh, oh, you're different, so you can't have th- the same rights, you know, that sort of idea. And and saying, that oh, you get special treatment because you're different? And it's like, no, actually, you know, they're... they're there comes a time and a place where you, where you have to kind of talk to people on, on, on one level and say, like, look, do you think other human beings have value? <laughs> do you think they have rights? Cool. <laughs> right. Cool. Good, that's we can regular go from ass there. Ass but, right. but sort of until we're at that level, it's it. there's a lot of uh, jockeying for position and a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of
1: catch-up work to be done. Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, for me, obviously, I think that the, like the flippant response is like there no such thing as a non-agenda is not having an agenda. Everybody has an agenda. Um, And I think that that's correct, but I also maybe feel like this is our opportunity to unpack something like that a little bit. So for me, the, the thing to remember, there's kind of like two things. One is that we are all motivated by something and that motivation can be anything from like, self-survival, like survival to faith, to love, to, to patriotism, like all that stuff boils into what our agenda is. And then second is sometimes though, I see this used as sort of like you have an agenda used by people who not only want you to instead have their status quo agenda and share that, but believe that there is a way to perform politics uh, pure from a position of pure ob- objectivity from a position uh, of pure rationality, th- from a place where you could somehow do politics without any sort of passion or motivation or interest, like a disinterested sort of politics. And in some ways, this is one of the traits of democracy that we do hold up publicly, is like disinterested debate in, su- in such a way that like we can work out if this is rationally good for us or not. And while I understand the value of that thought process it's also important to understand that the history that, that rationality has a history in the politics of itself that like for a long time emotion like the, the notion that emotionlessness is is more is better than passion uh, when it comes to debate, is tied into a history of, like, misogyny and, and like, building the, the notion that, like, the brain is more powerful than the soul. Like, it's this huge thousands-year-old, like, history of politics and philosophy that got us to the point where now one of the things we think is, if you're calm and if you have bullet points, you're better than the person who's crying on the Senate floor. Um, and I'm not saying that, that I prefer the latter to the former, necessarily, even. I... I and myself, like, I like nuanced arguments. I came up through, like, debate teams and mock trial and all of that shit. Like, I like that. But I often, I want to make sure that we reject the notion that just because something comes from a point, a place of experience or passion, that that should mean that it's a that's a disqualifier yeah. versus someone who has no interest and no no emotional connection to an argument so
3: and i think you can you can actually see this having broken down in the evolution of games criticism the last 10 years like Mm -hmm. as games as games criticism has gone well in some ways you could argue that there was not even really games criticism until (laughs) like the last 10 years and i don't i don't mean that to be slanderous to folks that like did reviews in like egm and things like that but there used to be this style this approach to critiquing games that was like very objective it was like graphics sound gameplay yeah. right. um and th- those are broken down into individual metrics that were weighted like differently and then things like Gamespot would introduce things like a tilt that like the you know like there were all yep. these ways that we, the, the belief was you could rationally break down games into sections and and judge them in that way and then they all like add it up and then that was the score of the game um and then something that's changed is this uh you know as a lot of outlets have moved away from scores um as people have started putting more of their selves and their reactions their personal reactions into games where you can play a game that uh maybe would have scored poorly but you loved because of like this one thing or these couple of things right and so you end up recommending and saying it's a great game even though it's bad you know what i mean like yeah. we're think games are messy our, our feelings are messy our expressions uh, of that and our reactions are messy and uh, you know i think w- sometimes when this this word agenda comes up like it is it is holding on to an older value system of judging games that right. for some people that's still how they judge games and in some ways i can respect that i just also don't understand the lashing out at folks that are headed in a different direction direction and i think that's where where that clash sometimes happen is like no 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 like let's think about it in terms of sound and gameplay and graphics and then like the moment you start saying like no but it made me cry and so who gives about shit about that other stuff Um, right who
1: cares that that the that the uh, there isn't HDR in this who cares that like sometimes there's some bad anti-aliasing like uh, that the whole the whole effect was was greater than those things and it would be silly to like knock it blah 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 right, like, I mean, like,
3: great examples like Bayonetta too. right like right, it, where like right. a lot of those reviews would like go into tangents about like the male gaze and like what is how does this character um like how, how are you supposed to respond to it and then there'd be responses to say like yeah but also, isn't that game super fucking good and really fun to play? Right. And, like, both, both those things are true, yeah. I think, for a lot of us, especially the people, you know, in this room. Like, you know, we're ready to engage on that on both levels. Totally. And then... And
1: to be, and to be fair, sometimes that makes us a bad fit for different, like, listeners and readers. Like, yeah. so a thing I just realized is we went through... we just So we just recorded our Nintendo Switch podcast uh, episode uh, of Waypoint Radio, like, moments ago. And I'm realizing in retrospect that I didn't mention that Zelda had some frame rate issues on the Switch. Um, uh, Some of, like, the big vistas, when you turn the camera and there's a lot of action happening, like, chunked up.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I didn't skip that intentionally. I bring my own biases forward. And that's the thing that I think I admit readily whenever I write about a thing. It's not that I think I have the perspective. I have my perspective. And... Sometimes I think people can see a writer's perspective and think that they think that that is the one true vision and one true take and that my values are the ones that should be spread far and wide and people should care about games the way I care about games and not their way. I completely get if you're someone who has been wired through their life to like cringe when they see a frame rate drop like that you don't have to apologize to me if like mm. you hate it when frame range dip below 20 like i it doesn't bother me as much uh, because i i just i like different things but like i get that you that you right. care that other people care about that and that that would be a reason why they may not like the stuff that i write and and say but i don't know why that should be a reason for them to dislike the stuff that i like or that i like and say yeah. Do you know what i write yeah yeah,
3: yeah yeah so
1: it's, it's an important distinction yeah. all right let's get another let's get another a number
3: all right danielle one you're from up.
1: one to, to 33 now one to 33 or to cut through these
2: uh i'm gonna be 33 in a month let's go with 33
1: awesome so this is actually a question that i don't even know if it came in for this specific podcast but I was like this is this is close enough and interesting enough to, to toss it in this is from sean who asks do you ever look to foreign press to get perspective if so who do you look to Mm. And I guess that, let's talk about that both in terms of games and in terms of not games.
2: <laughs> I certainly read quite a bit of, you know, BBC news, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, The Guardian. Not,
1: the Guardian you is, you know,
2: Guardian, plenty of that. Uh,
1: disclosure, I guess Vice has a relationship with The Guardian uh, now. Oh, really? Doing some, yeah, Vice is doing <laughs> Breaking some, Breaking like, news to me. <laughs> yeah, so Vice, a couple of months ago, a, so I should actually, like, hey, shout this out to, to other people. Um, we We announced the guardian and, and vice announced a partnership back in uh in december uh They are like basically bringing a small team of guardian journalists to move into the east um, east london offices of vice u k to like bring news expertise to like help hmm. boost up the vice news like Kind of, well, it's not a startup, but like we we've, we've advice have have really moved into like the traditional news space over the last year, starting a, a nightly news show uh, and a new news focused site and you know social media presence and all that, and so that's really cool. And and that was like a really cool thing for me of like, oh wow, like a bunch of stories that I really think were great over the last couple of years have been broken by the Guardian. Their coverage of a lot of stuff, both in the UK and worldwide, including in the states, has been really fantastic. Um, so I, I was like a day I was like, yeah, nice thumbs up. I like the guardian.
3: Yeah. But I, you know, I think there's obviously, you know, a huge language barrier, uh, there that, you know, I would certainly love like wider perspectives. I mean, I think Twitter is a great way to get those perspectives. So it's like, I sort of rely, you know, on, on Twitter, for example, uh, I try and follow less people and then create lists based on my right. interests. So it's like I have a politics list where I have tons of people that aren't in my main feed, but those people, like, run the gamut of, like, right. different types of domestic and foreign press and follow different beats within politics. And I rely on those people to sort of relay that expertise of, of differing perspectives because, one, it's just hard to seek that stuff out, and, and two, um, you know, those language barriers, like, are, are still – uh, difficult but yeah i mean it's, right. i don't speak yeah.
1: german i don't speak french no. or yeah. or let alone read it and that means that there are fantastic news outlets that i just don't have direct access to um
3: if this person you know. has if this person that, that uh, wrote in uh if you have recommendations on like if there are better ways for any of us to approach that i think that is that is certainly something all three of us would be interested in totally
1: yes totally it was a, it was a thing i really thought about a lot while i was living in canada for a few years was like it was really destabilizing in a way I didn't anticipate because I moved to Canada to do my my PhD in like basically leftism, right? Like I'm a big, I'm (laughs) a big, very like open left dude. Like that's very clear. And so I went thinking like, whatever, like I'll move to Canada. I, I don't really have any deep seated, like, um, I, you know, I, I am an American citizen. I was born here. I'm interested in events here. I I moved back partially because I felt like I was too far away from the political events of, of my, my home country where I was invested in wanting things to go well. But then I didn't think that it was like, there's nothing in me that was like, America's the best country. Like, I thought I was past all of that shit. And then I got there and, like, was thrown off when I went to go see Dark Knight Returns. And there was this moment where the there's the moment where the kid is is singing the national anthem and Bane blows up the Pittsburgh Steelers stadium. The, sorry, the Gotham, the Gotham Stadiums, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Gotham stadium. somethings, whatever yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I'm like, oh fuck! Like I'm probably the only one in here who's like, who this is working on in the same way. Yeah. Because right. Because I grew up in places where this happened every other. Like I went to basketball games. I went yeah. to wrestling meets. I went to football games locally. You know, and like heard this song in these events. And even though it doesn't have, even though in my, my rash, again, in my rational, like front brain mind or whatever, uh, I don't have any like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a better song than every other national. Anthem. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but like it's, it's still the national anthem that I grew up with. And that I associated, you know, holding my hand over my, my heart and like eating popcorn at the Phillies, you know, at, at the, whatever the Philly stadium used to be. And now it's the, right. some other thing, you know, like that's, that's those drill into your brain. Um, so it is a thing I think about. I think about like our American perspective and then when we talk about America as if it's the world when it really isn't as much as I can. And I still fuck up. So, I don't
3: know. Uh, the one thing I will say, it's uh, foreign from sort of a different definition, but um, when I moved to San Francisco, I like made a, a broader effort to continue reading, which is the Daily Herald, which is the Northwest Suburbs Uh, of Chicago local paper so I could kind of keep up with, like, what was happening in the neighborhoods I grew up in, and I kept reading the Chicago Tribune because it was, you know, the the major newspaper in in Chicago, Um, and now that I moved away from San Francisco, like, I also keep up and read, like, Mm -hmm. out of the Chronicle because, like, uh, I I lived out there, like, I care about – the minutiae of like what's happening in the mission and and and, and like the different districts in San Francisco. Totally. So, while that's not foreign in the, the sense that like it's 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 domestic in terms of the United States, like I still like I subscribe to local press to keep myself abreast of like different places I've lived cuz those communities are still important to me.
2: There's there's also another way of reading this In also to, adjacent to that is is foreign in terms of, you know, perspectives that you find intelligent mm-hmm. and that you respect, but you know, respectfully disagree with, and I I, I tried at, at many various points in my life to make an effort to read conservative media, conservative media that does not come from a place of hatred. Like I'll just say right. it out loud, you know, that I think there are some places that that certainly do operate out of a, a not a a a position of valuing every everybody's rights or, or valuing right. everybody's you know feelings and ability to be here. But you know, there's certainly libertarian publications that i i've you know certainly taken a, a dip into and you know read just to just to have that perspective and just to try to you know kind of understand where other people are coming from at the very very totally. least like just I trying mean, yeah. to get it on that level even if i don't agree i mean if i don't think i'm going to be you know swayed by something i, I want to know what the arguments are i want to know what people think and i want to I want to have good faith arguments with people that are informed and intelligent and not just me. It helps you sharpen your own arguments, too. That, too, yes.
3: Like, to, to know, like, you know, you're not just <laughs> you're not just speaking yeah. to the choir.
1: Yeah. It even hel- yeah. it even sometimes helps me to not even sharpen my arguments, but figure out where I stand on something, right? So sometimes, right. obviously, this will be something where, like, I'll read uh, an editorial in the Wall Street Journal that, like, I mm-hmm. know going in I'm going to disagree with, but – you know, I've said I said it moments ago, like I'm very far to the left on, on the so called spectrum, but I also stay abreast of like more center left and even like center center publications and podcasts and things like that. Like I you know, it would be easy for someone like me to listen to Chapo Trap House and be like, Oh yeah, like that's they probably would vote the same way I vote forever on everything. But when I listen to like Slate Political Gab Fest, like someone like David Plotz is someone who is You <laughs> wanna <What> strangle? <laughs> I want to strangle. Often, when he says that, like, sure. we need way more political corruption, right? But it's important for me to hear that, like, that, like, center left in America, like, center in the world, right? So maybe even center right in the in the spectrum of, of you know Western Europe and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the right now, who the fuck knows? Uh, but uh, that stuff is important for me as someone who is left, who is to the left, to make sure that I'm at where I want to be at when it comes to these questions of reform versus kind of like larger revolutionary change versus, you know, like there's all of these different modes of, of change and improvement that are possible. And it's important for me to like, think about the ones that are more widely held in the stuff that I hold, because like, that's the reality of the world we live in. Like, sorry, like we're not going to overturn like, all labor laws in America tomorrow, (laughs) Austin, that's not happening. They're not
3: going to pass legislation to get rid of capitalism. (laughs) No, they're
1: not. They're not. Exactly. And, like... And also, revolution probably won't happen in America. Like that's just not like. Just not sorry, Bernie. Way, like yeah. it, it's just not going that way. And even and even and even the like Bernie Sanders version of democratic socialism wasn't going to lead to the overturn of capitalism in America. Right. You know. Right. Anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, what What's another number? Where else can we go? <laughs> uh, One to thirty-two. Ten. Thank you. That took. It's hard. It's hard to pick a number. I was trying to think a n-
3: with a number that had meaning and then I just gave up and said 10.
1: <laughs> I don't have, none of them have meanings. All right. Uh, also, really quick to so the other question in case you're asking about International Games Press. I'm Eurogamer. I like Rock, Paper, yep. Shotgun.
2: Yep. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of
1: course. Um, uh, but we we read English, so I bet you there's great French and German and Japanese and Spanish speaking Portuguese. and all sorts yeah, of yeah. Portuguese game sites that we don't read. I would I would love to be able to read... Portuguese for, to be able to get access to what the Brazilian game scene same. is like
2: right now. Same. Oh. It, it sounds like it's same.
3: fucking weird,
1: man. It sounds like it's, it's fucking cool It's really,
2: really interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So this comes in from Dom, who says, Hi, Waypoint Champs. I always see the statement that games are inherently political, which I agree with. Nothing exists in a vacuum. But do you think that there is a point in differentiating between natural political tones versus overt political messages in games? Environmentalism in Sonic, as like a natural political background thing, uh, versus racism in Mafia 3, which is, like, right up front. Also, what do you think the practical differences are between allegorical politics versus explicit politics, i.e. racism against elves or augs or omnics versus uh, against, you know, people of color, queer folk, etc. Love the show. Great stuff. Please keep it up. Thank you, Dom. What do you, what do you think about those two things?
2: Blanket statement that there's plenty of room for both, yeah, and different sure. types of things will do different types of things well, and that's that's just the beginning opening statement of like a a much more complex argument and
1: yeah but i think that that's actually one of those like opening statements that is that we we risk gilding the lily a little bit here right Mm -hmm. Of like let's that's the answer the answer is that i don't want i don't want every game to be mafia three right um that is not a super effective way of teaching people. It's one way of teaching people, but like as someone who spent time in front of a classroom and you know, this too, Daniel, like sometimes you need to like soothe people and bring them in slowly and playfully yeah. and not necessarily by hitting them over the head with a hammer. Absolutely. Yeah. Patrick.
3: Yeah. I mean, and also just, there's different, I mean, then we talked about this mafia and lots of other games where like, there's just different approaches to this stuff. And also games are just still figuring out what those,
0: Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. E,
3: you know, hitting you over the head. Some of them are going to be more subtle. Uh, and I guess, I don't know, like keep an open mind to that stuff. Like developers are going to kind of fuck it up as they, yeah. as they figure out their way of, you know messaging sounds it you know makes it seem a little too blunt but you know how you you know put messages into games or or values like we're just figuring that stuff out and so sometimes it's going to be not (laughs) as elegant uh, as it might be
1: the um the the second thing there i think i I, maybe i take a slightly harder stance on the like difference between racism against l versus racism against like people stuff in that like I am, I'm just, it, this could be a time and place thing of just, like, I'm so exhausted by, like, it's, like, it's racism. and metaphors. Elves. Yeah, right, sure. because, because they all fall apart for me, and this is not a novel position of, like, the, the X-Men, mutants in the world of Marvel are not, like, people of color in that I can't kill people by taking my glasses off. Right. Cyclops will, right? Like, um... The only way that works is if there are people who are classified as mutants, and people believe that they have special powers. The way that, like, the way that that um, uh, uh, Mike Brown was referred to by Darren Wilson as as being like the Hulk or looking like a demon, but actually not being either of those things. Yeah. And then, like, what if Cyclops took off his glasses and everyone was like, "Oh no, he's going to kill us with his laser eyes!" Like, no, there's no, I don't have laser eyes. Like, oh no, you're killing people. Like, that would be the only actual equivalent there. Um and so that falls apart for me really often and but that doesn't mean that we should stop. I'm not saying like stop making X-Men comics or stop having those narratives where mages are being corralled because they're dangerous or whatever. Um but like treat them treat those things with the complexity that those characters deserve and do your best to make sure your audience understands the difference. Like, I got really frustrated with the mages stuff in the Dragon D- Dragon Age series for a long time because of this. Because, like, that's a game in which they say over and over again that mages are super dangerous, and they are super dangerous. Unless, one, you're playing one, in which case it's super safe. <laughs> None of your spells ever go wrong. You can become a blood mage, and everything will go according to plan forever. Um, And, two... Because it's a familiar storytelling, I don't think any of the games until Inquisition ever made me sympathetic to a Templar. Over and over, the Templars are the groups that are the like, knights who like jail the mages in that series. Um, over and over again, like, oh, I'm going to sympathize with the mages who are imprisoned. And if you're doing the one-to-one, like, here is an oppressed group being locked up by the non-oppressed group, um, by the group in power... Like, yes, I'm always going to side with with the oppressed and not the oppressor. Like the, the Murakami line of like I'm always going to side with the with the rock instead of the wall um, that is being thrown at. Uh but like
3: I thought we were talking about two different wrestlers for a second there.
1: Sorry. I'm talking about talking <laughs> about the, Who's altar, the wall. The rock and the wall. There it is. I'm always Karuki yeah. Murakami, big wrestler. <laughs> big, big wrestler. Fan, a wrestling fan. Um but the yeah. But there there is something important to like work out the like oh actually there's an interesting story to tell once you recognize that mages are dangerous in a way that people are not dangerous and also it sucks to what happens to them so like yeah i don't know treat your follow the fiction like trust your trust your fiction and your reader to, to deal with complex stuff um Sorry, this is a, a long one
3: this uh, this came to mind as a bit of a tangent, um, but I, it came to mind part of this question and also because it was something that Austin and I were kind of talking about earlier today. Oh, great. Um There's this game coming out pretty soon called We Are Chicago, um, <laughs> yeah. which is a game about the, uh, the... Its ambitions are to tell a telltale-style adventure... Adventure is the wrong word. Telltale-style sort of like interactivity. Um, that's sort of the model of what, that they're going for about what it's like to be... Black on the south side of Chicago, um, which is a lot different than living in a lot of other parts of Chicago. Um, And when I saw that game at PAX East, uh, I guess like a year and a half ago, like it was a Mm -hmm. while. And we sat down with my wife and they were showing us the game. We both were doing (sighs) it in VR. And I forgot it's VR. About Mm. two minutes in, my wife taps me on the shoulder and goes, I don't want to play this anymore. I was like, "Why?" She's like, "It's bad." Oh, and I was no. like, "Oh." And in my head I was like, "Maybe like you just don't get it, Katie." And <laughs> and I kept playing it and I and then I was like, "Oh, this this is bad." Like, right. um, I, I I I the ambitions of what this team wants to do is interesting. I want a story about the south side of Chicago to be told because there is a lot that could be told there. And so after Pax East, I was looking at like what stories I wanted to write about it for Kotaku. And I was like, man, like I, God, I, we are Chicago an interesting game. And so I, I wrote about it and my editor seems Tatillo was like, can I ask you something about this? And he goes, you really seem like you're pulling a punch. And yeah. I was like, you're right. He's like, I don't think you liked this game, but I think you're trying to say it's got some problems, but maybe they'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> which is sort right. of the standard line in a preview and i mean he was right like the reason i was pulling a punch and the reason i even thought about scrapping writing about it at all was because like they're trying to do a good thing and it's not doesn't seem like it's working in the form they had and like i just wanted to kind of pretend it didn't exist as opposed to like dragging right. it out there and this becoming an example of like well when you try and make games like this like look right. like you just can't do it so you just shouldn't right. do that shit right and so and that's the thing yeah. is, like, that's
1: an opportunity when you have the resources, both, like, time and, and editorial, like, help to 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 dig into that situation. That's where you, like, find really good, like, that's where the gold is. Like, mm-hmm. that's where, that's a, a moment to dig into your own experience. And you're like, oh, I even want to write about the fact that I didn't want to write about this for fear of of the thing you just said. Right. And that's interesting. And, and that's how we end up, like, getting somewhere decent in the future is, like, by having those really difficult conversations instead of, like putting it locking it away and never talking about it because it would be like embarrassing to this thing we wish was better you know like
3: yeah it's like it's like we're like the advocacy side of you like runs right in conflict with sort of like the critic side of you right. and it's like you know and by talking it out and by having my editor push back on I me, mean, like it resulted in a piece where I was like really critical of the game but the developers were Really receptive to that. And, you know, I wasn't like, you know, like, you know, really mean. I was just more like, hey, this isn't working. I'm hoping by vocalizing this and putting it on like one of the largest platforms possible, you're going to take it seriously and hopefully do a better job in the time you have left. And I don't know, Austin, we'll find out and we'll two
1: find weeks.
2: out. we find out very soon, in is, fact.
3: Yeah. I, I, whatever my
1: hope is for that game, like I, so I played the same demo you did and had the same experience you did. I'm just like, man, I wish this was better than it is. And maybe it is, and and we'll see, but like, I am more interested in having a real relationship with that game, a real experience with that game, and reporting about what that experience was. than yeah. I am about cheerleading for something because it, it does right. a thing. I, I will cheerlead their intention, but I'm not going to cheerlead a bad game because exactly. I wanted to do something good. Like, And instead, what I end up having to do sometimes is say, I can see why people don't like this thing. I do like it. Let me drill down into why I do like it. Right. Um, And, and let me be, I I use this phrase a lot, but like, let me be radically honest with my own experience. Like, I really do believe that we know in our heart of hearts, whether or not we are enjoying our time with a thing outside of some, some exceptions that are like, Oh, I can't tell, like I'm bouncing between two, but even then you should be able to talk about the fact that you are bouncing between multiple perspectives. Right. Or that you're having a hard time nailing something down. You know that you're having a hard time with something or that you like it or that you don't. And so like. From that, from that point, you can get to good criticism. No matter whether or not you're, like, over the moon for something, whether you hate it or whether you're, you, you're ambivalent about it, there's something to be said about that experience if you can fucking drill into it enough. Uh, and sometimes that thing can be like, I, I think that this doesn't achieve what it's going for, but part of me really is in love with the fact that they fucking went for it. And that's an okay position to have as long as you're sure. upfront and honest with that right. being your, your, you know, your view. Yeah. Um, I think we have time maybe for one more, which we is more. we have 30 of them, but <laughs> here we are. Well, if people, we are. Like,
3: if people like this podcast, like, you yeah. know, if they enjoy this, like slant on it, like, you know, when things get slower or like a special one offs, like I think the three would, of us would be more than happy to revisit it.
1: <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Uh, so 31 more questions. Give me give me a number.
2: Lucky right, number seven.
1: Lucky number seven. Yeah. Zip up here to seven. This one. This one comes in from, from Franklin, Franklin. Um, who says, Hello, friends. Do you think it's more respectful for a game with a romance system to define the sexuality of a character, as it does in like Dragon Age Inquisition? Or should they allow everyone to essentially be bisexual, as in Stardew Valley? And, and some mm. uh, other... I remember another Bioware game got got uh, criticism for this. I think it was Dragon Age 2 got criticism mm. for this because everyone in that game could be romanced regardless of what your gender was.
2: Yeah, Thoughts? you know, like, like a statement that there are places where both approaches can work. I, in mm-hmm. Stardew Valley, that's it's a very specifically, it's like, it's your town and, the, and that's sort of a... It's also made by, I think, one person. And uh, yeah. I, I respect that uh, some folks, you know a lot goes into particular systems. Personally, for me, I like it when a character is uh, specific and I also really kind of hate, I'm, I'm bisexual, okay, and I, I sort right. of take issue with the, well, everybody's bisexual as a, like, the, the sort of weird default state as opposed to, like, it's a very intentional choice, like, somebody to be bi as opposed to being gay or, or whatever right. pan or whatever other sort of sexuality. So it's like, I, I definitely roll my eyes a little bit at that approach at mm-hmm. times, for sure. I think it's it's good to be specific with your characters if you are telling a specific story. Uh, I do think there is room for having sort of, you know, a different approach to that in, in different types of games. But yeah, if you're telling a story of uh, Amy, who is bisexual, and it's like a very specific experience to Amy, I don't know, I'm making this up, I don't know who Amy is. Um, but that that feels to me like a more honest Sort of approach towards a character, a specific mm-hmm. character in a specific story.
3: Yeah, because it seems like there's, you know, the, there's no default, you know, sexual.
2: Exactly. You know, yeah. There is spot. There's and no so the only idea, one preference. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. And, and and I think also like the the idea of having defined sexualities for characters leads to more <clears throat> interesting storytelling because mm-hmm. I I the idea that you could attempt to romance someone in a game and they can reject you because. They are not interested in you is more interesting storytelling Absolutely. than yes. like you can bone whoever you want because right. you bought them enough gifts, right? Exactly. You know, and so, uh, so I, I think I, I can like I can certainly res- like I see the approach of just making it a flat system, but then I also I think making it a flat system whereby is the default takes away from people who are actually bisexual, exactly, and yeah. and that and that's that's in some ways no different than the default being straight right. and that uh, gay being uh, away from the norm. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I still think it's – I mean, if, if characters, they're people, and people are things. And uh, so I, I, I would tend to fall on the side of make the characters yeah. one thing or the other, what, you know, whatever that thing is yeah. that, you know, that's a whole spectrum. But But make, you know, those people, these characters, these people have feelings on what those things are presumably and presumably, i think that makes right. more that makes them more like actual people than than just right. making it sort of a uh, a system that goes up and down
1: that that is part of their characterization in in the same way that they're like funny comments and their complicated backstories and even their character builds do you know what i mean like i also think i also don't like final fantasy 7 because everybody can equip any materia which is like a <laughs> weird ass like i this is, like, a silly fucking metaphor for a very serious thing, and I recognize that straight up, and I'll say something actually serious about it, it in it a second. It still makes
2: sense, though. But, like, it works. But like yeah. Yeah.
1: one of the reasons why I don't like Final Fantasy VII is that it's coming off of Final Fantasy VI, a game in which every character... Unfair. Has, Unfair. Okay, every character in Final Fantasy VI has... Uh, incredible mechanics built around the, that character that like when you are playing as Terra like her mechanics are different than playing as Sabin or Sabin the, the Sabin, guy who, the
3: dude who can uh suplex a train yeah he can suplex a train
1: and Hell, to do that yeah, he can. to do that you input like like fighting game commands to yeah. do his <laughs> to do his moves and that's like a, a bit of like characterization through mechanics that that like reflects who that character is and then you go to final fantasy final 7 where it's like oh yeah just Put on fucking uh, uh, the mimic thing so that you could admit. Like, every character is just a blank slate mechanically. Not outside of limit breaks and weapons and shit, but like, fuck off, that stuff barely matters, really. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about if you've played that game a bunch.
3: Also, I just want to make clear when I was saying unfair, I was saying it was unfair to Final Fantasy VII because Final Fantasy VI was so good. Appreciate so want to make Thank sure I want to make you. sure I that's clear. Now. Thank you. Because I, I Final Fantasy VI there. I was like... is the best of the old school Final Fantasies, and then Final yeah. Fantasy VIII is the best of the PlayStation Final Fantasy. All right, you're gonna and get a whole fact, bunch of other shit <laughs> for that. Facts,
2: just like <laughs> <laughs> but
3: look it up. On, look it up. I, look it up so on should... facts.com. Facts.
2: Final Fantasy VIII Facts. Is, Facts. is the best of the PlayStation. zone. It's Polit- my new
1: politifact. website it's my you go new politifact.org, <laughs> which is a politics episode they'll say it but i think that i want to carry that same degree of specific- specificity into all sorts of characterization like i don't think that that's a, 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 an unfair thing to demand from our games that like our characters that are not to demand like this isn't we're not like putting a, a you know right. it's not hey, uh, nailing get the, your the, agenda
3: the, off my lawn right i not awesome nailing feces
1: into the church door right you yeah. know what i mean but I am saying that I'm going to like games more that manage to do good characterization. Uh, so, to say the, the 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 other thing here is there's a really good post by Todd Harper called She's Not That Into You from 2015 about Dragon Age Inquisition and Cassandra mm. who rejected he was playing as a female character. Um and and he says I'm just going to read from this this post. He says um, now I'm certain, I'm certain, uh, people may be saying, why does she have to close it off? Can't she just have good humor, uh, playful flirting? And I imagine it could if Cassandra were a different person. If it were Iron Bull, for example, and if Bull weren't pansexual, I don't think it'd be a problem. But Cassandra is who she is. And to be honest, I think expecting her to go on flirting with you when it makes her uncomfortable is selfish. She, this character, has every right to shut it down. Uh, and then a little bit later on, he says, the game lets me make decisions that it knows from the start that I know from the start are going to go nowhere. But the point is that the outcome of those decisions doesn't matter. The journey, my deepening relationship with Cassandra is the point. And no matter how sad I am that my Inquisitor can't be out there with this amazing knight at her side, I'm happy she got the chance to try and to see that side of her. Yeah. And that's the thing that is that uh, would also be great, which is that, like, in general, games need to get better at at letting characterization be its own reward and characterizing uh or you know showing these different sides of the characters even when it's not like the A plot like even if it's not The romance, even if this character doesn't have a romance plot, it should have, the the character should also have a plot that's just as interesting and good if you're not romancing them. That thing, those plots aren't the only way to get good characterization and and to find out more about the characters. There are characters, people are multifaceted, and I'm not saying that, like, for every romance plot, you should also have a plot about whatever their hobby is or whatever, but, like find another way to have an interesting relationship with, with that character and and have that play out, you know? And, and that's that's my advice for you. Yeah. Patrick, I know you have to go pick up a child.
3: No, wait. Appar- apparently.
1: Is that what you're doing? You're picking up a child?
3: Yeah. They start charging you by the minute after six o'clock. Oh, my God. I'm fine. I'm fine. We're, we're okay. okay. I'm just saying they start, char-
2: <laughs> start the charging you by the minute. That's intense.
3: Like
1: a call. Like a... Call
3: that's there's like a baby cap yeah well hey those people want to go home
1: fair i don't, I, I don't blame them they've been watching that's kids fair. all day yeah that's fair I Kids.
2: they gotta go watch their own kids maybe in some cases
1: <sighs> yeah patrick you go you go pick up your kid and and i will i hope that you have a good weekend and a good you day too. off on monday let's all take some time to rest and, and relax and reflect as we go into this this big week of <sighs> politics and yes. change yeah. Change is happening in America.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sure is. On some local. we
1: are going to be covering that change and th- then that political stuff a lot this week. It's not the only coverage we'll be doing this week. Obviously, we'll be writing about games like we always do, and and we love games. Uh, you know, well, one of the questions ta- we didn't
3: talk about that Gravity Rush.
1: Uh, totally. We absolutely. Hey, well, that will still be political, won't it, Patrick? Yeah, but that,
3: yes.
0: but that just happens
3: to be political as opposed to. There, it's, there is some
1: all things shit happen in that to game.
2: be political
3: there is some shit so, in that game you
1: know we'll get to it not bad shit we're not good shit. Like, it's a great yeah, game it's, it's, it's you should play that a game. pretty good game it's actually a, I'm, I'm pretty into it i'm gonna play some yeah. more of it this weekend um but but on top of all the normal stuff we're gonna do we're gonna have stories about the, you know the the aca and about the women's march on washington and, and stuff like that so stay tuned for that stuff come to waypoint.vice.com if you have questions. You can write into questions at gaming, nope, gaming at vice.com with a subject, questions. Uh, anything else? I think that that's no, the no. big You stuff. can also
3: write into questions at gaming.com, but I don't know where those go. <laughs> I don't
2: know what's going to happen to those. You should write <laughs> to Ask questions at games.com yeah. There you <laughs> go.
3: Yeah, send your political questions to
1: questions at videogames.com. <laughs> we'll see how the giant gaming. bomb Gaming.com
3: cannot be reached. Who owns gaming.com? Who, who We're going to look into this right now. Somebody. I'm right now.
1: Thank you for just reporting live.
3: Who is? Uh, this is you can find oh, all
1: the stuff up. we do at waypoint.vice.com, waypoint.zone, bazinga.zone, digitalpyramids.com, twitter.com slash waypoint, youtube.com slash waypoint vice.
2: Nice. Instagram.
1: Waypoint vice. Insta- Instagram. I don't yeah. know what we do over there. I don't look at
2: Annika it. Danica does stuff over there. I think she does
3: whatever. She-
1: she's smart. She does smart Instagram she
2: stuff. She's, she's on the gram.
3: She's Any on the people. Zeman G of Hong Kong. I probably really. Butchered that name. Don't dock
1: Zeman G. Stop
3: yeah, do- it. No, it's he's got his other stuff. Okay, hidden. But his he owns Gaming.com. <laughs> Thanks, Zeman. But for ten dollars, that um dot will help me get this domain. So oh, ten dollars. That's like I'm your finder's fee. You will. No, that get just that just that just allows you to email someone to make a pitch. I understand. Wow. Yeah,
2: well, Be like, hey, we'll see.
3: I really like games.
2: Games are. I like, got a lot.
3: You could say I'm a gamer.
2: He's you could say movie.
1: I'm
3: a gamer with a capital G. <laughs> Zeman.
1: Patrick, where can people find you
3: on the internet? They can find me at Twitter at Patrick Klubik, Facebook uh, at Pete Clubbick. Danielle. You can
2: find me on Twitter, I just coughed in the middle of saying Twitter. <laughs> Twitter.
3: Well, sometimes Twitter doesn't. You know, you know it kind of yeah. makes
2: you. Sometimes you Twitter makes you a little part sick. Of During a week yeah. like this, Twitter might make you a little sick. So on Twitter, yeah. I am Danielle Ri and I, I, and I am Danielle Riendo, writer on Facebook.
1: You find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker on Facebook at Austin Walker Games, where you can read all of my tweets because that's just how that is set up. Good uh again tune in all week we will do our our live uh
2: podcast on friday wait a second maybe that's not true we'll, we'll do something on friday
1: there will be a lot of things happening not- on friday on the inauguration day
3: yeah we, we're, we're still kind of figuring out what our plans are yeah. so
1: there, there might be a uk stream that day also on top we're going to stream a lot that day part of that will happen from the uk yep where i you know stuff is happening also it'll be a, maybe a, a reprieve from america if you need a a part time escape, and then uh, but we'll definitely have a podcast Friday, so listen for that. And, yeah. and until then, like take a deep breath this week. It's gonna be a long one, <sighs> and uh, I think that's basically all I got. I think that's the only. Do you have any wise words of wisdom? Any
2: be good to really uh, take a nap.
1: This yeah, is the thing I will. Okay, here's the thing I actually wanted to say, and okay. I'm I'm gonna end on this this like small message, which is. And I'm just lifting this message from Chris Remo from Idle Thumbs, which is we often think about these things, about the world and the ways the media that we consume in a binary state of like stuff that's good for me and is, is like politics and news about what's happening today and important stuff that's happening right now and distraction of like, oh, I'm going to play a new game. I'm going to escape into Gravity Rush 2, or I'm going to play The Witcher and not have to think about anything else. Or I'm going to play a mobile phone game. I'm playing Solitarica. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but there's this whole other other set of things in this in, in the middle of, of that spectrum and elsewhere on different axes of things that can be thoughtful and things that where you can zero in on... Thinking in an important, good way—in a way that that lets your mind be active and changes your worldview and lets you think about things in a more abstract sense or in a deeply material sense—but that isn't just like your face being jammed up against bad news over and over again until you feel like shit all the fucking time. (laughs) Go to a museum, read a book, put on an album you really like, and like sit in a chair and listen to it (laughs) this week like give yourself these things that are not rapid fire important but are broad spectrum big picture important about the world and and your place in it and and find some middle ground respite there where you don't have to be uh just fully chaotic and you don't have to be completely distracted you can you can kind of be at ease but also but also engaged i think that's that's my advice for you in this long week yeah Take that advice to heart. We'll see you on Friday. Peace.
0: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all.